This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Manny Cotto, executive producer of Star Trek Enterprise. You're listening to Warp 5 on Trek FM. to another episode of Warp 5. I'm your host for today, Brandon Shamutella, and joining me today is the wonderfully handsome, the wonderfully built with his ripped shirt, Patrick Devlin. How you doing, you sexy beast? I'm doing great, Brandon. How are you today? I am doing good. We are uh, going to be having a lot of fun tonight talking about augments, but it wouldn't be complete if we didn't have with us the wonderful, the amazing, the incarcerated Brandy Jacola. Yeah. I did some bad stuff and I'm paying for it. Yes. And we I keep writing all these papers and they keep taking them away at the end of the day. And then oh, you man. write them all over again. Why? Why I would do. you do that if no one's going to use them? I don't know. Excellent. Comfort makes me feel good about myself. Well... Tonight, we are going to be talking about the Augment Trilogy from Season 4 of Enterprise, and we're going to be having a special guest join us. But before we get there, uh, we do have to check and see if we have any feedback. Patrick, do we have any feedback from the Babel Conference? So we do. We actually have feedback on Episode 150, which is our last to uh, release. It was the and that was episode. the episode that was about uh, the deaths on the show. Right. Where they claimed it was like 67% for Archer and nowhere near that for everybody else. But So Janet Lee says, even if the graph was true, to use that to say Archer is a bad captain is unfair. That's like comparing the captain of the modern ship uh, to Cook or Magellan. Pioneers, by definition, don't know what they are getting into. They make mistakes so that people who come after them don't have to. They also don't have technology that everyone who follows will get. She also said, Patrick Devlin, I feel the way Trip died cheapened his character more than than how the books brought him back. And I say I say this as someone who agrees that uh, Section 31 recruiting him came out of nowhere. So I had happened to say uh, he gave his life protecting a friend. I don't understand how that cheapens the character. Uh, she ends up saying, well, you know, he was so good at in Terra Prime that it just makes no sense that he wouldn't be able to figure his way out of this. Actually, I agree with Janet on this I, one. I don't. 
it's it's not a matter of why he did it. It was a matter of how he did it. That was not in keeping with the character for me. I guess I. Okay. That was just that's just an opinion. <laughs> just an opinion. We just see things differently, and you're entitled to and your opinion. So, and I'm entitled to in mine. that whole thing. Uh, Matthew Bell eventually says, "The way that Trip and Archer handled the alien invaders to their ship." You'd, you'd think they were a couple of season one rubes, which is fine because it was all a work of holo, uh, holodeck fiction, holographic fiction. So basically he's kind of, from what I take of that, he's, he's getting to the fact that they just kind of got it wrong. So it may have made more sense if we knew the actual events. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's fair. Excellent. And so for some people it was the episode and for some people it's the books, myself included. But, uh, yeah, anywho. Was there anything else on Wait, the episode? did you just say it... you're on the side of the books? I am. You weren't during the episode. No, I said I just find it unbelievable. I, I, I love the books, <laughs> and I definitely would prefer that way. I prefer right? it. There's a lot of great but stuff. But which do you believe? I believe the books. No, you said the episode. No, I just said that I, I find it unbelievable <laughs> that because of the... Uh, oh, go listen to the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any more comments, Patrick? There were there were no other comments of note. None. None? None yeah, at all? None. No. Okay, excellent. No, well, thanks, no. everybody, for the feedback. And, uh, yeah, every episode we'll try and read a little bit of feedback that we get from the Babel Conference. Uh, we don't have any ratings or reviews on iTunes this week. Again, if you guys leave any, please let us know, because if you're in a different country, we don't always check it out. So just let us know if you've uh, left us a review in another country. Well... I guess that's all we got for our intro. Let's uh, let's move right along to our discussion and let's bring our special guest in. And it's with great pleasure that I introduce our special guest for the day, Chris Tribuzio. How's it going, Chris? How's it going? Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Excellent. Right on. We are very happy to have you on. You have been on several episodes of the Roundtable. And you expressed interest in coming on the show, and and uh, so we thought we'd have you on, and we're going to do a retrospective tonight. We're going to talk about the Augments Trilogy. But before we get into the Augments Trilogy, we got to ask you a little bit about your history with Enterprise. That's what we do with all our first-time guests. Tell us about your discovery of Enterprise, and tell us why it's your favorite Star Trek series. What can I say about uh, the Star Trek Enterprise? 2001... Uh, it started out, it was a great show to me. It was a great idea. You know, before it was the prequel to what we know. And it's one of the things that drew me into the show and what came about. And how about your general impression of Star Trek? Like, how did your fandom with Star Trek start? Fandom with Star Trek started uh, many uh, years ago. I remember TNG. I remember Deep Space Nine. But none of them grabbed me much like uh, Enterprise did. Uh, of course, like everything else, I had uh, memorabilia from Star Trek. Uh, I started collecting Christmas ornaments from Hallmark. I think the only one I'm missing is the first ever Enterprise, which last I oh, saw wow. was going for about 200 bucks. That's a lot of that's a lot of ornaments that you have. I've only got a couple from the last couple of years. Yeah, I started uh, actually. My mom started early, so she bought me whatever was coming out. 
for that year. That would be my Christmas gift. Okay. And is uh, is Star Trek Enterprise your favorite series? It is. It is my favorite for the fact of, uh, uh, again, being a prequel, being what came before, no rules, no regs kind of thing. Uh, the Of course, Scott Bakula. Of um, course. Of course, Scott Bakula. <laughs> you know, who could forget yeah. Sam Beckett? Uh, <laughs> the greatest part is when they put those two together again, too. Yes, that, and and that was I remember when that first aired, and I was and they did a pretty commercial for it, and I saw it was Dean Stockwell. I was like, oh my god, it's a pairing. Yeah, and at no. one point he's punching something into like a calculator type thing. And you're like, oh, I remember this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Too bad it wasn't multicolored though. Yes, so. it didn't have like weird stones of different sizes. And it didn't and make it, sounds. I, no. And in that episode, I thought it was a Star Trek prequel. It's a Quantum Leap prequel. It's both. <laughs> it is both. It's both. Yeah, because but, he can just travel through. T- oh, wait, he has to do it within his own lifetime. Sorry. Yeah, but even at that oh, point. who says that I that was... wasn't his lifetime? Because <laughs> it would be like 100 years in the future. 200 years Old in the man. future. Walt Disney was cryo-frozen, wasn't he? Just his brain. <laughs> oh, you're right. It's getting the right guy here. Just Literally, his just his brain. <laughs> yep. But I was really so, hoping in that episode that he had a secretary named Ziggy. Yes. I thought that would have been pretty funny. <laughs> that would have been great. So, uh, okay, so who's your favorite character on Warp on Not on Warp 5, because that would be me. No one. Uh, what I meant to say. It would definitely be me. <laughs> I meant to say Enterprise. My, and do you have a favorite season or a favorite episode? A uh, favorite character would be Jonathan Archer. Uh, favorite season would be season three, uh, basically because of the 9-11 retrospect that they did, or the um, uh, uh, the homage to it, uh, and you know maybe the home in season four, but the whole season three arc grabbed me from start to finish. Okay. Excellent. Right on. Well, tonight we're not going to be talking about season three. And we probably may not talk about Archer a whole heck of a lot, but we're definitely going to be talking about Enterprise. Tonight we're doing our Season 4 Retrospective Part 2, and this will be covering the first trilogy, the first three-parter that we saw on Enterprise. And this was the, what is it, Borderland, Cold Station 12, and the Augments. It's a three-part series, and we see the return of Brent Spiner to Star Trek we see the return of the the uh, superhumans, the augments, as they're called in this, cons, supermen, but these are, like, before them. They're not them. They're, like, embryos that have been made. But uh, it's going to be challenging to discuss this episode, I think. I think we're going to be going back and forth, kind of, between the three of them. But uh, why don't we start off right off the bat with, like, it opens up with this Klingon attack. These Klingons are under attack by the ship, and these humans come in and beat the snot out of them. Chris, what do you think of the opening scene? Well, if I could just uh, give my brief love of this of the arc for just two seconds, guys. I wrote a poem. Would you like to hear about it? Sure. Okay. <clears throat> Ode to Spiner. Oh, look, it's Spiner on his show. Dear Brent, when the execs approach you, did you say make it so... You've played many characters like Soon Data and Lore. Forget Nemesis. This dad should have been named Dr. B4. 
Yes. Excellent. Yes. Um, so what I think about it, I, I love the the introduction to them. I mean, we have, of course, first scene, I'm 6'4", 280 pounds. If I stand up, I look like a kangaroo. But if I see someone who's 5'3", beating up somebody, I think I'm going to go ahead and step back a little bit, especially if they know that they're five times the strength of humans. Patrick? So... I love this scene. It's actually a great scene, and when it first happens, you immediately know something's up, right? Because he he uh, he kicks the one the one Klingon and flies him halfway back through the through the corridor, and you got the girl who like almost kicks her own forehead to knock the to knock the other guy out. The, the scene is awesome. But can the augments like? I mean, I know they're super geniuses and super strong, but can they get a decent set of clothing? Do they not know how to use cotton? There, it's it's fashion. It's I know, I, know, I, know. I, I joke, obviously, but there really are a lot of holes in their clothes for a bunch of geniuses. Well, it's the Chippendales augments. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there is a lot of holes in their clothes. All of them. Too. Uh, they don't have a lot of money, you know. Soon was a single father. They're geniuses. Right? He had like eighteen children, nineteen children, and they and he left so. when they were ten. Good dad. Yeah, what a guy. Yeah, I assume that's when he got arrested the first time. And the holes don't even look like they're actual holes. They look like they were strategically placed no, they by were... a designer. They were. They it's... are very um, 80s style. So very. But, there were three belts sewn together along with a loincloth. That's it. Yes, that's pretty much it. That's it. You think, you think a bunch of geniuses come up with a decent set of t-shirts. Yes, <laughs> I'm an augment. Maybe. So I got to point out. I just got to jump in and point out here. Did anybody notice that we had Martok again? I did, yes. and you know what else I noticed? <laughs> what? That was a very familiar costume he was wearing. You think it's the same guy? Oh, no, it's not the same guy. But I I had to research this because I thought maybe I was crazy. But they let him choose his own costume from the prop department. And so he decided to wear the outfit worn by Michael Lansara as Kang in Blood Oath from DS9. Oh, did he? I, wow. I didn't notice that. Okay, yep. I thought you were going to say it was the same costume he wore before. Nope. Nope. Okay. He was being Kang. Nice. <laughs> That's interesting. So, I got to ask right off the bat, you know, the big elephant in the room is, what do you guys think of having another ancestor of a character that we know and having Eric Soong in this show? Patrick, what do you think of that? I'm cool with it. I actually enjoy it because I think it makes sense that the guy who would do the augments would also be the guy that eventually creates data. But does it really? And I love, don't get me wrong, I love the fact that Brent Spiner is playing it, except is everybody in his family identical? I guess so. I mean, they all look the same, and then they make their, their androids look the same, too. It's, it's just a little far-fetched. But who doesn't like seeing Brent Spiner? So I'll be okay with it. Chris, what do you think of having Brent Spiner on? I'm, I'm along the lines with Patrick. I think maybe, uh, I mean, granted, Spiner was great, but they could have given somebody Is else Is it too title. much fan service? I think so. I think it was more, I mean, it's, it's season four that it's coming to an end, so they had to come out with a bang. And I did research it, and these three episodes uh, were the highest rated episodes throughout the season you mean these are the voyages was it no <laughs> these are the voyages 
These are the voyages ranked 0. 0.75. No. Patrick just had a heart attack. <laughs> Brandy, what do you think of Spiner? Is it too much fan service? What do you think? I, I honestly didn't have a problem with it at all. At first, I was just like, wait a minute. If he's another Soong, wait, wait, that means that he's not Noonien, so he has to be like his grandfather or something and so i was trying to work out the genealogy in my mind and i just gave up because i don't care it doesn't really matter to me but i like the that he got to have a different expression uh of character because you know most of the time when he played noonian soon it was as an old man and it was the creaky voice like this and he got to just be you know a man instead of somebody made up to look old so I I was like, oh, Spiner, because I love Spiner. Been a fan of Spiner since Night Court. Look it up. And Did you know he was on Cheers, too? Well, yeah, I didn't Day watch Cheers. After... Yeah, Independence Day was way after Night Court. No, after yeah, Night Court, after, but it was before. It was after TNG. Yes. Yeah. No. I think it was his first thing that he did after TNG was Independence Day. I think so, yeah. He also had a recurring role on Warehouse 13 that I enjoyed very much. So, oh, I lost track of that. See, we get to this episode, and this is the first one, where it's like, I don't know how to feel about fan service sometimes. Like, sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not. And I don't really know when I think it's too much. Like, I just, I have it in front of me, and that's when I'm like, nope, that's too much. And there's a lot of it in Season 4. Like, I've mentioned several times that I think... Um, Oh my goodness, I can't remember the name right now. The uh, Organian episode. Uh, Observer Effect. I'm like, this is way too much fan service having the Organians. But I love the episode. Like, it's rapidly becoming my favorite episode of Enterprise. And I kind of feel that way in this episode, too. Because we've got, you know, we've got Soong. We've got the Briar Patch. We've got, basically, the Death of Khan, like, all done over again. Like, there's a lot of fan service in this trilogy. And... It's a really good trilogy. There's nothing wrong with the episodes. I'm just like, I just think there's a lot of fan service in here, and I just don't quite know how to feel about it. There's a lot of fan service, I think. I mean, there's, uh, I'm along the lines with you. Even the diseases that they have in uh, C12, there was a nod that came, that came to TOS and TNG and stuff like that. Right, with the xenopolycythemia on the screen. You- Okay, you guys saw my notes, right? You should see me try to type that at night. <laughs> <laughs> so, as far as fan service, though, I mean, yeah, it kind of doesn't make sense that everyone in that that family looks the same, but it does follow with what they've been telling us about that family, right? It's true, and the, this is my theory, you know, because I have seen pictures of my grandmother and her mother and her sisters, and I can't tell them apart in the older pictures. I cannot tell them apart. So it's it's one of those things where I just feel like, yeah, okay, they can look very similar. But if you're going to make an android, of course you're going to make it in your own image. That's the ultimate expression of ego. Look at this thing right. I created that looks just like me. Yeah, just I mean, just like the Doctor in Voyager. He looks like that. He even gave himself mm-hmm. a bald spot for uh, you know he's still yeah. bald even though he could give himself hair for once but oh yeah zimmerman so, totally right yeah, so how do you not give somebody a name well, he's the doctor yeah, but there's no well, name he wasn't, yeah he wasn't supposed to run he probably has a name for that long you know back home 30 years after what is it the final episode of voyager not to cross streams 
But 30 years later, they come back to the reunion, and he says, my name's Joe. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like 30 years to come up with the name Joe. Oh. Well, See, well, three you letters. Your own. One letter per decade. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like, it's it's not that he looks like his ancestors. Like, I agree with Brandy. Yeah, if you're going to create something, you make it look like yourself. I don't have an issue with that at all. I don't have an issue with people playing their own ancestors. I know that some people do. You know, like Janeway playing her own ancestor in Voyager. You know, I don't, I, like, I don't have problems with those kinds of things. It's just the fact that it's like, why did this need to be a Soon character at all in an Enterprise show? Simply to have that tie back to Next Generation? Do you think it simply was a ploy to get viewers? Yes. And I don't have a problem with it too much. Okay. Well, actually, it wasn't originally supposed to be Soon. And when they okay. found out that Brent Spiner was interested in uh, coming on to Enterprise, they rewrote that character and made it soon. Who was it supposed to be? Uh, I don't know if that information is available, but let me see what I can find out. Uh, okay. Uh, it was executive producer Manny Cotto was planning for the character to be Colonel Philip Green from the original series episode, The Savage Curtain. Okay. And he was supposed to be a straightforward villain. Yeah, Colonel Green is, uh, he, you see him in the Savage Curtain, and they talk about him in Demons and Terra Prime. Yes. Yeah. Right? Colonel right, Green. Yep. This actually, to me, this makes more sense. I think it makes more sense in a fan service way. Yeah. No, I think it makes more sense in general, because he, he wanted to create the perfect person, right? Or his family, that was kind of his family legacy, that he was going to fix all these problems with humanity. He couldn't. The augments became illegal long before him but then he goes to prison he ends up apparently having kids they don't talk about in this and eventually one makes an android that's the perfect human i mean data yeah, says that at one point he goes no i am better than you he tells that to Riker, right i think it's Riker. Mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure it was Riker. so but that, that so that that whole line of makes sense it's just i don't know i i, I don't mind it because i like seeing brent spiner but if it was anyone but Brent Spiner, it just wouldn't make sense that the same exact person was playing without any kind of makeup to look make them look different. Like, what if this was LaForge's ancestor? I love LaForge. I mean. Right? And we had LeVar Burton That's in fine, role because instead. he's in Reading Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I grew up on Reading Rainbow, and when he came back with Reading Rainbow, which he's being sued for now, I believe, but when he did, I donated to that Kickstarter. <laughs> It was like it's. We don't have to hang up too much on this. I just wanted to bring it up and see what you guys thought. But the other thing then is we got to talk about is the augments themselves and having these these con babies. You know, like I don't know that that was necessary having them as well. And we'll you know we'll get to the what happens later on with the Klingons. But in here, you know, we've got these con superhumans that were embryos that soon grew and then raised as his own right mm -hmm. correct mm -hmm. and then we you know so we have the references to Khan. they talk about it you know the crew of the enterprise knows who's Khan is in this episode they're talking about it but then not only that when malik i think it's malik is his name dies at the end he dies in like a shot almost a shot for shot the way that Khan dies in star trek 2 where he's crawling along the bottom of his thing right by his yeah which chair. that's a little cheesy to me. So where's the line? But where's the line? He didn't there, die that line. way. That's wait, not wait. how he died. Did he? Didn't he die by the peephole phaser shot? Exactly. He was shot through the chest by Archer. That's how he died. He died on Enterprise. 
Yeah, well, that's, that, that scene is, didn't happen. That, 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 that scene didn't happen. Well, I guess that answers Malcolm Reed's question from the, the first episode. Like, you know, that would take, that's what it takes to stun them. What does it take to kill them? It takes a peephole phaser. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on the full yeah, setting. After he's been stabbed through the stomach, right? <laughs> I, I disregard that scene completely. That whole scene where he ends up on the ship and fighting them. Like, this is just like a bad dream. Yeah, it's this, <laughs> this is like something that you would get in a bad horror movie dream. So, but I expected anywho. it. I'm like, he didn't go down that easy. He's gonna try and take his final revenge and kill his daddy. All right, so he doesn't he doesn't die in the scene, the, the shot for shot scene of Khan, but it definitely still happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah that scene happens okay, so where there's it's your line. shot for shot. That's too much. What's that? That's too yeah, much. That's just too much a... for me. So characters are okay. Shots are not okay. I guess it's all in the way it's written. It just it was too much. Here's the thing: it, you could do one or the other. You can't do both. In my in my opinion, you can give me so much fan service, and you could have done soon, or you could have done a shot for shot remake a con, but you can't do both. Yeah, it's so weird because it's so hard to describe, you know, like where this line is, and it's different for everybody. And that's wonderful that it's different for everybody. There's people who like it the way it is, and there's people who don't like it because it's too much, you know? And it's hard to it's hard to draw that line. Like, for me in Discovery, you know, there's a lot of fan service in Discovery, but for me, you know, one step too far for me was having uh, Clint Howard in it. You know, having, having Clint Howard as an actor in Discovery was one step too far for fan service for me because he's so recognizable as who he is, so... I don't know, like, it's just hard to describe, so... That was so the least of my problems. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto, but you know, we're not going to get into that tonight. That so. was, I'm okay with him. I'm not okay with everything else that happened in that episode. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> but again, I think we have the same problem, is it's one or the other, right? You have to... Kind of like you have to pick and, ch- pick and choose your battles. You have to kind of pick and choose when you want a fan service. And if the whole episode is fan service, it's just too much. Yeah. None of the individual scenes are a problem. It's the culmination of them all together that goes over the line. I would have loved yeah. to have been in the writer's room when they were writing this arc. Just yeah. to see, you know. Like, the arc is great. Was... Like, don't get me wrong. These three episodes are awesome. So here's an interesting fact. We keep calling it the Augment arc, right? But if you look on Memory Alpha, they actually call it Soon's Augment, Augment arc because... They consider this this episode for the next nine episodes, counting this one, as the augment arc. Right, because they talk but, about... Uh, right, because they kind of mention them in each yes. episode briefly. Yeah, it was, the, it was the one where the ridges, Archer gets the ridges, when the Klingons talk about Soon's failure with the augments. Right, Correct. but that's, I don't know, it's the augment trilogy, so... No, yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying that if you look it up on on Memory Alpha, it's what does Memory just... Alpha know? Nobody knows anything. It's all a bunch Nothing. of monkeys it's typing always stuff. Always wrong. <laughs> uh, we just pissed off half the fan base. And, um, <laughs> but <laughs> they just consider these three Soon's arc, augment arc, which I find interesting because they put such an emphasis on Soon, which I guess makes sense because he's a main character of these three episodes, right? But, right, he is. Yeah. Okay, so w- let's talk about some of the fun stuff that we see in this episode. So one of the scenes that I really loved was the Orion Slave Market. I thought this was really cool. 
Kate. The big yeah. shot. Love, yeah, I, I love him just, just picking just to Paul up like a doll. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> did she not play a rag doll perfectly? Yeah. It was a doll. If if you look at it, it is like in the close-up shots, it's her. But in the long shots, it's, is it? it's is a it? I got to rewatch it again. It, is. it didn't look like it to me. But no. It is 100% I didn't, a I thought it was her shots. just not moving at That's all. That's what I thought. I thought it was her. And really, the big show is definitely strong enough to do mm-hmm. it. She's yes. tiny. He could do that with and one I hand. I do love. And that was his first. I love. That was his first um, episode, wasn't it? Yes, I believe so. I do love when they, they dump wrestlers into these shows like uh, The Rock, Fort, and Voyager, right? And I'm just disappointed we never got Hulk Hogan. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, no. and that I would have had to have been that. TNG. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would have in a heartbeat. Because he's a real American. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta mention one thing that I saw in one of the cages during the Orion scene. They, I don't know which take it was and whatnot, but there was, I believe it was the scene actually when Archer and Soon come down and they see that woman in the cage, and he like puts his hand out to say, "Don't say anything." In that cage was a member of the alien species with the crab head that Hoshi was like on that planet with. Right where she was really? behind. I, yes, I didn't notice that the guy who was dumped off. Yeah, they dumped, could... they dropped her off and took off, and Hoshi stayed on the planet. The Beauty and the Beast episode. Yes. There's one of those. I aliens. gotta watch now. I don't remember catching that. Yeah, just check it out in there. It's like on the bottom left of the screen or something like that. It was crazy. I'm like, what? It's one of those guys. <laughs> That's pretty so, cool, though. Yeah. Anywho, uh, Brandy, tell us a little bit more. What else did you love about this about this uh, scene? Uh, well, I just loved the amount of people in it and all of them. I mean, it took probably a good hundred people to do all of this. So yay, extras. And every one of them, you know, was in the proper wardrobe and had good makeup jobs, etc. And it's it's just kind of like, I think that there's so many nods in there that I don't even recognize because I haven't sat there and paused like every other second to get a good look at the screen. But I think that yeah. th- there is probably a ton more fan service in that one scene than anyone realizes unless they have done the pause every other second sort of thing because it's just i like the whole sequence and it's just fun uh i really enjoy to paul um kicking <laughs> big show in the nads um, <laughs> so it was just it was just come on good times. That's, that's great good times what's not to like so because he's because he's orion would they be the onads sure why not <laughs> i thought it was great seeing the orions again and as well you know, an Orion male, which we hadn't seen before, ex- unless you get back to the animated series, and then they didn't even look like Orions, but and they were called Orions. <laughs> but <laughs> have you they not were, seen the animated series? Or there you... were Orions. I have not. What? No, I I've seen it. Orion. That's I what I thought when he said it too. Like Orion. two cookies with vanilla cream in the middle. It's green though. They're mint mint Orions. The, they're mint Orions. They hey, those. nice. They're pretty good. Yes. Good save. <sighs> The uh, anyways, I thought it was great to see them because we haven't seen them before, and we haven't we've only really heard about the Orions. We've never seen them other than, you know, like the two Orion slave women that we see in the original series. One in the cage, then again in the menagerie, and then again in that episode with uh, Garth, uh, let whom gods destroy or something like that. I can't remember the name of it, but um. Anyways, it's great to see them because they're, they're always talked about quite a bit. I mean, we hear about them in D Space Nine, so it's neat to see this race finally. So, I like the fact that we see the whole, the whole way they auction off their slaves and 
how just they get quiet. their slaves. Yeah, yeah and uh, everyone's like, I got an iPad that they're typing into. And numbers and weird languages are popping up on the screen. It's like eBay, but I bet you that's Orion. Right, and he's like, three million? That's more than my wife or something along those lines. they were actually typing messages amongst each other going, don't you dare bet on this one, it's mine, stay off. (laughs) They were up in each other's DMs. (laughs) (laughs) What's your view look like from over there? Oh, I don't know, Joe. Looks like it's pretty good from over here. (laughs) So they don't go into it, but really she's worth that much because she's Vulcan, right? Yeah. She's an oddity. Right, uh, I don't think it's because she's Vulcan. I think it's because she's like attractive, and like she's being sold as into like sexual slavery, is what I'm guessing. I that agree too. But I would imagine they don't get a lot of Vulcans through there. No, they can't. What I do like is that this is so now when you get to discover when we finally do get the discovery, there's like a um, Orion uh, area on Kronos, Consulate. and it makes it makes more sense now because. District. Because they put them right next to each other anyway, right? So it, it actually kind of adds all up. Once you, if you've never seen these, that makes that make more sense, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent, right on. So, anything else from the first episode that we want to talk about that kind of stands out for you guys? Just the way they kind of stole them was interesting to me. They like randomly picked nine people. They don't really go into how that got picked, but they show you only three. And Trip's like, I lost two members. They just disappeared. Yeah. And uh, and then they and then for whatever reason we see three, but they say nine. So, you know, I, I, I don't various know how crew members that we numbers. didn't see. Yeah. Right. No, I, I know I understand that part, but I'm just saying it's just I do like the fact that they kind of just swooped in, stole a bunch of people, and then left. It makes it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yep. So the second episode starts off with soon, you know, reading to his kids. Right. And, you know, showing that he's got this love for them and it's showing that he's this fatherly type character. And that's basically how the episode starts. And, you know, I I just question like when I see things like that, I know that fans, Star Trek fans, they either can dismiss everything and it doesn't matter or they could get hung up on the smallest things and it ruins everything for them. Like there's extremes either way. But watching soon, you know. He's not a young man in this, right? Like, how old would you say he is in this show? I would say 50s. 50s? Somewhere in there. 40s, 50s. So, these these kids are like 10 years old when he's with them. And he's probably been in jail for about 10 years, right? So, he like, he, he had been away from those kids. So, that would have been around 30 or so when he was with those kids, right? At what point did he have a child, if he's in prison... To live on with the Sue name who's going to come back into his life that he can teach this android stuff to. You know, like that's one of the things in the episode where I get hung up on with the fact that they have Sue in this episode. And I mean, again, it doesn't ruin the episode for me. It's just one of those things where it's like this timeline just doesn't work. And I know, you know, if we had Jeffrey Harlan on here, he would go and he would give me... 47 different reasons, you know, why canonically he can make it work in his head. And that's fine if you can do that. It's just that not everybody's willing to forgive everything that they see on screen. Right? So, Chris, what did you have to say about that? Maybe they had conjugal visits. How how do we know he stayed in jail for the rest of his life? 
We don't know that. We don't exactly. Know anything, right? So we don't know yes. that. Yeah, okay. Thank both of you because I didn't even care about yeah. it. And Brandon tried to ruin another episode on me, and you fixed yeah, it. Yeah, I just... These are just... You know, these are things that I've thought about since the first time no, I saw I got it. it. I got it. To be honest, I, I, got it. I did think about it, and I said to myself, I have to just get over it because they wanted to put the actor in it, and I have to be okay. It didn't bother it. me at all because I thought men are virile well into their 80s. So it's, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> I like Chris's answer the best, though. I'm going to go with... He had a pen pal who liked prisoners, fell in love with him, came, hung out, there you go. It's okay. It never bothered me for a second. Because we end that with him going back to jail, yes. But it's not like he died. He's still got plenty of life left. And we don't know if he ever got out. So I just assumed he got out. So a lot of fans... So you guys don't have a problem with it. It's one of the things that's always been bothering me, right? And I, I, again, like I said, we don't know these things. And there's nothing canon that's been established. But it's one of the things that I'm always like, well... He's old. He's old now, and he's he he has to end up with some type of child, probably a son that looks exactly like him, that he's got to raise, you know, to the point where this son is going to love his work enough that he's going to continue it on. Could have claimed him. He could have cloned himself. He could have, but he could. No, I only say it, no in seriousness. Though it did annoy me, but like I said, this show didn't ask me to do this often. Yeah. So I'm okay with just ignoring it this time sure and that's fine too i just wanted to bring it up these are things that i that i want to bring up during the episode this is what keeps brandon awake at night <sighs> this is not what keeps me awake at night what you what keeps me awake at night would send cold chills down your spine yeah, having to speak to me once a week <laughs> so this episode deals with the basically the cold station 12 so they're on their way to this cold station where there are more embryos. And we have Sue and the Augments uh, go out of the station. We finally meet We finally meet Dr. Lucas, who is Dr. Flox's pen pal that we've uh, heard so much about in some of his letters. And we get these instances of, like, torture and stuff, and the Augments are willing to go a little bit farther than Sue wants to go. Right, but at first it doesn't seem that way. It seems like Sue's willing to go the distance. I never got that impression. I got the impression, like, Sue's a pretty good guy, you know? I, I distinctly believed he was willing. I know, and look, you can be a good guy and really believe in something and still cause problems, right? So I got the distinct impression he was willing to kill that guy. And the closer it got to him dying, it, it seemed like he was trying to back off, but I didn't think he was going to until the moment he said, all right, let go of the antipathogen. Now, I thought that he was bluffing the whole time. I thought that he was never intending to kill anyone because All right. he's not I'm a dumb. killer. But it's just a difference of opinion. It has nothing to do with being <laughs> smart or dumb. It's just a difference of opinion in how we viewed the scene. So, so Chris, what would you think? I, I tell you the truth. I don't think he uh, had an inch of murder in him. I think he was all about the science. And that's what it I was. thought my other New Yorker would be just as pessimistic. Okay, hold on. Oh, Let me snap. edit. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree with no, Patrick no. about this. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, so no, seriously. All right, so I was the only one who thought that he was going to do it. But that's okay. Um, I definitely thought he was willing to do it. And the moment he said no, I was like, ooh, maybe there is some good left in him. 
Well, he said multiple times, he's like, no deaths, no deaths, no deaths, right? Mm-hmm. No, I know, but once it was at that moment, hey, look, I'm the guy who rooted for Archer to kill everybody. Yeah, yeah. you're, you're <laughs> Me know, too. You're crazy. Maybe it was more wishful thinking than anything else. I just think, uh, you know, I, again, he's a scientist. He wasn't out for murder. He was out for the research, and he wanted good to come out of everything. That he wasn't going to murder nobody. And how can he murder Dr. Egghead yeah, he, from he Sonic did. the Hedgehog? But we... <laughs> good reference. Um, <laughs> you, right. Brady but we also had Fox telling him, I don't agree with you at all. I th- you know, and he said, well, what makes you think that... He says something along the lines of, what makes you think I'm not looking out for good? And he goes, I can read. No, what he says, what makes you think that the work that I've done is not good? And Flux says, because I can read. Because he's looking at the DNA and stuff that's on the screen. Right? No, I, I understand that. He can read that, the DNA that's on there. Yeah, but one man's uh, bad or evil is another man's life's work. And it's all about the perspective. Because Soong... No matter what incarnation of him we talk about, everyone always thinks that they're the hero of their own story. And they never thought that they were doing wrong. These quote-unquote evil geniuses are never doing stuff just for the sake of murdering people. No, <laughs> but, I, I agree. Yeah. it's. But I think that lends into the fact that him being able to kill, he could justify that in his own head. It, that's the thing, though. I don't think he w- he wanted to justify it, and I because he. No, I can agree yeah. that now. But I thought leading up to that, I thought he could. Yeah, and I I didn't. I'm wrong. I get because it because he he was trying to teach people not to be afraid of the augments and what he right. and he didn't understand fully his own creation until he starts seeing Malik in action. And let me tell you, that Malik is somebody I just wanted to punch in the throat every time he opened his mouth. So, just, just like, shut Like a baseball to the just mouth? Shut up! Yes, like a baseball, right like in the teeth. Like a baseball to the mouth. Right, just, right there. Just... Blood everywhere. So, you people are weird. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that about the actor. I'm saying that about the character. You know, there's yes. nothing wrong with the actor. He portrayed the role as it was set out for him, and I have no problem with that. But Malik is a whiny little baby. <laughs> and also, but even Malik thinks You would think he was an only child if it wasn't for his 1,899 other brothers and sisters. Exactly. Correct. And, yeah, he was so sure that he was right in all things that he killed their leader, who was a, who seemed to be a better man than Malik was, but... Did anybody but... catch the Cain and Abel reference? Oh, yeah. Did they talked about this? Yeah. And I don't want to interrupt the discussion here, but is it me or did each of the names of the main augments had a religious meaning? And you come to think of Roddenberry's vision of having religion in a Star Trek series? I didn't catch that they were religious names myself. Yeah, I actually did some research on each of the names. and Well, you prepared for this episode way more than we did. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I, time, you, we, we watch it, and we talk well, about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you guys watch them? I, I watched two of three. I, I actually watched them like a month ago, so I didn't watch them again. I'm really sorry. I, I watched two of them today. Well, if you think about it, like I did, I showed you guys my notes, but I mean, if you look at it, like the, the girl who was Abby Bramall, Persis. No, she played Persis, yeah. Okay, her actual religious name translates to the divide. And in the beginning where she was torn between the one 
long head dude. And he, and Rakim. Yeah, Rakim and uh, Rakim. 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 Mm. Rakim. I had the letters right. R A A K I N. No, but I mean, you know, each of them had religious ones. Malik was the leader, which translates. Most of it was all like ancient Egyptian or Arabic. Yeah, but the one the one exception is that they did call Udar Smike, which is a Nicholas Nickleby Correct. reference. Ex- except I always want to say Nicholas Nickleby. Stupid Monty Python joke. Sorry. <laughs> so what did you think of the fan service on the different um, pathogens that they were using to torture one of uh, Lucas's colleagues? Somebody on the Enterprise set loves xenopolycythemia because this is like the second or third time they've referenced it on the show. Because they did it when the Archer was in uh, in the uh, Klingon camp in, uh, what's the one I don't like? Rurapente? No. Yes. Well, no, it was Judgment. Yeah, yeah. Judgment, in Judgment. Yeah. So yeah. they mentioned it in Judgment. Hey, I still should get like half credit because I mentioned the prison. Yes. Yes. Yes, that counts. That's that episode the called Rurapente. looked like a pair of <laughs> When he first like pointed to it, though, did, did everyone think that that was gonna release a pathogen is that where you thought that was going what do you mean like the 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 little shower room or whatever oh yeah Yeah. that's exactly where i thought it was going yeah i didn't i didn't this time i don't remember what i thought the first time but maybe because i saw i just watched discovery i thought like this was like a torture room no it's not an agony booth man it doesn't make any (laughs) sense i understand that (laughs) <laughs> I'm not disputing the fact that it, it makes no sense whatsoever, but it just seemed like it was an agony booth. I thought so. I thought it was a poor man's agony booth. That's what I thought. <laughs> right. Like, well, in a they way. They were going to shove this guy in there, and there was just going to be people with, like, electric prods stabbing yeah, In a way, it was an agony booth, because anyone that got trapped in there with a pathogen would. Why would you have that, by the way? Um... Why would that to exist? To test the effects of pathogens on different things? I don't know. On people? Like, yeah, I'm on sure people. that doesn't exist on the CDC. Yeah. No, it's it, it, it might not even have been done for that. Like, it could be, it, it could have been like a shower stall, like in case anything happened, like one of those that you see in a work environment. Yep, emergency right? shower. Right, and they just pumped it into there, an emergency shower stall or something like that. Right? So, well, like a we had a problem with soon, but we, yeah. we don't have a problem with the fact that we can pump water or deadly virus into the same room. This I didn't have a problem with that. Okay. Well, the di- the, the virus came through the poor man's agony booth. It didn't evaporate right, out into the room. It, it just seems weird. Well, well they were improvising. You take a shower. It's, it's just me, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Right can... Okay. Well, is there anything else that we want to talk about in the uh, in the second episode? Yeah. There was an important conversation. I can't Killed remember. Right Udar, now. the jerk. Yeah. Udar, huh? Smike, was killed yes. by oh, Malik yes. because he's a yes. jerk. Not not Udar's a jerk. Malik's a jerk. Right. So Malik's oh, taking things to the next level. He's taking them to an extreme, and. You know, we're learning how bad a character he is, and like this is to show, like this is the difference with him and and what Soon wanted, and what the uh, whatever the guy's name, Rocky Road, there at the beginning that we were talking about, right? He didn't want to kill people, but Malik is okay killing people, and he wants to take it to the next level, and so he's one of these augments that, you know, it's things are not working properly for him, and the the upgrades didn't work properly for him, so you know he kills 
his family members, right? Which he's not supposed to, you know, because that's bad. Killing people and is then bad. lies about it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He tells he tells soon. Oh, he came at me. He tried to kill me, and I didn't know, and I didn't realize there was so much blood. And he gives this whole sob oh, story. He's good at that. We one. all know his bull. He is. He's very good at it. But it's also showing you, you know, he's willing to do anything to accomplish what he feels is his duty. And even if that means perverting what his father taught him. Why did you enunciate the word perverting so much? I don't know. <laughs> um, no, because because he keeps... I did it. I'll tell you why. I did it because he keeps telling everyone else what his father would have wanted. And he's perverting what those lessons really were. It's just another commentary on religion and how it's perverted by its followers. True. Okay. Almost as if it was a Patrick cult. Patrick likes that word. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the last episode here. We're going over just our general broad strokes here for the trilogy. Um, so it starts off with this awesome, from this awesome cliffhanger of Archer having to crawl up that ladder, and he goes through that awesome scene where he gets shot out into space. So I think that's one of the best scenes of the season myself. Archer to Snowman. That's basically <laughs> how I titled that one. <laughs> Archer the Snowman. That's right. He gets frozen. I mean, it's I'm not even him. Lose any fingers. When he gets cold. sucked out of the thing, that CGI looks like a... It's bad CG. Yeah. It's... Yeah, but... Uh... And then he... Look, it's still better than Fraggle Rock's so cool. <laughs> yes. Archer to Snowman, though. I mean, it's something he needed to do and... It happened. I think it's one of the coolest scenes in the trilogy myself. Like, this is awesome. Like, it's a really interesting, it's a tense scene, and, and the fact that he gets blown out of the space is neat. It's it's different. We don't see that kind of thing. Yeah, not often. Yeah. I mean, now it's kind of becoming more yeah. common, right? Yeah. Brandy, what'd you think of that? This The most recent time that I watched it, of course, I had read Last Full Measure earlier in the year, and so I just thought, oh, so he's just blowing himself out another airlock. So, did he do that in that book? Yeah, he actually. They couldn't dock the shuttle with this guy's ship that they were on, and so they had to blow, use the force of the door blowing out to propel them into the shuttle. Uh, so yeah, it was. It wasn't his first time yeah, right. going into space without a suit on. If you know what I'm saying. It's been a while yeah, since we I've literally, read that book. We literally remember. talked about this two episodes ago. Yeah. We talked about how improbable that was scientifically. Don't care. Yeah. Yeah, it's improbable, but has anyone ever tried it? We know because so we don't know it's it may be improbable, but it may not be impossible. We just don't know. Hey, there's lots of stuff that's improbable in Star Trek, but it's still it's fun. still like, fun. fun it's the future. No, I agree. I agree. I yeah, but that doesn't change physics. How do you <laughs> know? How do you know that we know all there is to know about physics? We only understand about four percent of the universe. There's a lot out there. Could we have don't been know. conjugal rights. It was totally conjugal rights. Come on. <laughs> That's where we're going. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. So the the third episode is basically their Enterprise is chasing after the ship because they have got plagues and they're going to dump them on a Klingon planet and basically start a war, hopefully start a war between the Klingons and the humans. Yeah. Because they're jerks. Anybody see a Discovery tie-in there before Discovery was even made or thought of? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, except they weren't going to kill him with a pathogen. But I just think it's crazy that they go to the Briar Patch. Like of all the, and not only that, that Clack de Calbrecht that we've heard about is the Briar Patch. Yeah, 
That was the first mention. So though. they had like a double fisted fan service there. <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> it didn't bother me. I don't... You know, it, well... it's obviously it was it was a previously established region of space uh, in Star Trek Insurrection. Was insurrection, right? Yeah, it was insurrection. Yes. yes. Um, and granted, that happened in the future, but obviously, it was now canon. So they decided, hey, let's uh, let's just throw that in. Just throw it in. Wow, look at that shot at canon right there. Yeah, they fired that cannon straight across the bow of the briar patch. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Please stop me. Well, it's just it's interesting that they chose that. Number one, because it's from Insurrection, which is not a fan favorite film, on the whole. But no. again, like the Briar Patch has this planet on the inside. Like, what what would have happened had they gone and lived in the Briar Patch? Yes, they say that there's two planets in there, but I mean, like, are they just going to go and live with, you know, Anish? No, they're not going to live with anyone. They're, kill, they'll, they'll, they'll just exterminate anyone who's not like them because because Malik has perverted the teachings so much that it's all just no, we're superior and no one else deserves to live. Well, let me ask you this. Exactly. Do you think this, looking back at it now, having Discovery the way it is, do you think that this was the start of the Klingon war or the Klingon dislike towards the Federation? Oh, no, they already disliked no. them. <laughs> no, I think they... I think they hated us long before yeah, this. Yeah, because the Federation right. didn't exist, but uh, the Klingons were not exactly happy with the humans, so... Or the Vulcans. Well, the, the first time they see a Klingon is in Broken Boat, right? They call Correct. him a Klingon, yes. right? So, and they didn't uh, like the Vulcans either. Yeah. So, so it's it's certainly not, uh, it's not where the whole Klingon war started yeah. with the humans. We just find out later that the the Vulcans decided ah, every time we see him, we're just gonna slap him around a little bit up yeah. front. That way, yeah. they'll respect us. Right. So weird, but you know, different cultures. In this episode, we also get a mention of the Botany Bay. They're talking about the ship that it could be out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and nobody... Uh, actually, Malik is the one who kind of shuts that down. He's like, oh, he ran away. Ran away on the Botany Bay. <sighs> yeah, and what was it? Soon thought of it as a myth? Yeah. Is that what it was? That it was still out yeah, there. Yeah, Soon didn't believe yeah. it. Yeah. So things aren't going as Malik wants. They dump off Soong. They get they they get they uh, they lock him up. Persis helps him escape. You know he gets off on a on a little shuttlecraft and whatnot. Archer picks him up on his ship and uh, and he's like, you know what? You might be right. Things aren't going according to plan here. And so he starts to help them to try and stop them to try and stop the augments. And uh, we encounter the Klingons again. Well, really, I mean, Soong realizes that if he doesn't jump ship soon he's gonna get killed by malik right yeah i think he would for sure well, i think that's yeah absolutely his ultimate target after our now yeah is, now yeah. at this point yeah it's you know when he target. first picked up soon he thought he was gonna be all about letting malik lead and just kind of backing him up and then he realizes that that's not the case so because malik is cuckoo yeah cuckoo. cocoa puffs yes <laughs> yes agreed yes and then he ends up killing Persis, who he's been sleeping with this whole time, right, as a, for power, because she basically betrayed him and, uh, you know, sent help, helped uh, Soong to escape the ship. Is that so... I mean, when 
when he he got her, she was betraying the other guy whose name I can't say. So why would he think it would be any different with him? Right. Yeah, it's. I I personally feel like she would have put up more of a fight. She would have been a better match for him and not died so quickly. But it's television. They gotta keep moving the plot, etc. So. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Yeah, it, I because she was she was a much better fighter than that. She she could have taken that fight a lot longer. So, but yeah. they don't have twenty minutes to watch two people Most destroy a ship as they're fighting. <laughs> that would have been fun though. <laughs> could have been fun. Yeah, this would have been a four. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. I understand that. I understand the logistics of producing a television show and being limited with time. So, I'm okay with it mostly. But in my heart, I really think like Persis was more of a, more of a fighter. Right. Anyway, so I don't know. We're kind of all over the place tonight, but uh, that's it. That's our first trilogy, our first augment arc, our first three-part episode for Enterprise. This new format of storytelling for season four. Um, is there anything we we haven't touched on for these that we uh, that we want to talk about now before we sign off? Is there anything? Not final thoughts yet, but is there any topics that we missed? Uh. Some fun facts. The first appearance of the Easy Boy recliner <laughs> that was later used in uh, Nemesis. There was that one. That's a fun fact. The Easy Boy recliner? Yeah, the black, uh, the new captain's chair that they had. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was the Easy this is Boy the one recliner. from Nemesis? Yeah. That's the okay. one where at the end you see Picard and he hits a button and the seatbelts strap in. Okay. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay, so what are everybody's final thoughts on the episodes? Uh, Patrick, let's start with you. I love these episodes. I love the fact that we've now gone to this new three-story arc system that they're going to kind of carry through this season. And um, I don't know. I think it helps. At this point, I don't believe they actually knew that they were being canceled, right? I no. think that was a little yeah. later in the series, but... I, I do like the the fanfare that we we talked about, you know, the fan service. I do think maybe it was a little too much, but it's okay because they were trying to grab viewers at this point to try and keep from being um, canceled. And they did; they obviously grabbed some TNG fans because, as Chris said, these were the high. This was the highest arc of the whole season, so I can forgive them for the things that I didn't like. And overall, I did love these three episodes. Brandy, what did you think? What are your final thoughts? I really enjoy the three episodes as well. Uh, I, Like I said, I watched them about a month ago because I knew at some point we were going to be talking about them, and I just wanted to watch them Enterprise that day. But I thought, oh, do I really want to watch these three again? And I sometimes I feel that way where I'm just like, oh, do I really need to watch something again? And then when I watch it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember why I love this. And... I just, I enjoy Brent Spiner. I'm going to meet him in September at Salt Lake Comic Con. Yeah. And oh, nice. uh, I I enjoyed seeing him be a not completely crazy soon. So, yeah, he, he might be a misunderstood genius, but he wasn't completely crazy and horrible. <laughs> so... Because, uh, I don't know, Noonien Singh, I never really liked him. I, I thought he was a jerk. But anyway, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, I, I enjoy this arc very much. I enjoy the storytelling. I like the very different places that it takes you. You know, it's not just all in space. You, you see an Orion slave 
uh, colony and you see Cold Station 12, we get to meet Dr. Lucas. Just the fan service stuff aside, I think it just extended that universe a bit more. So, so I give it Excellent. thumbs up. Thumbs up. Excellent. Right on. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. What are your final thoughts on the uh, on the Augment arc? Uh, thank you very much for having me. Before we end the show, I want to say that very much so. I appreciate it being hey, on the welcome. show. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. Um, fan service aside, I think I'm in agreement with both Patrick and Brandy here. Brent Spiner as the mad scientist, I think, was a, was a great choice. Again, highest series rating or arc rating the first ever serialization of a star trek series as this as this starts to be the experiment for them well we did have the one in d space nine that started off season two there was a three-parter there the circle trilogy. i i apologize i meant for the enterprise itself yeah, yeah. for the story arc um again i give it two thumbs up as well there's just so much fan service how can you not how can you not not like it so. wait a minute Excellent. how can you like it because how can, how can you, you not, not, not like, like no if you say not not that's a double negative and that means you're saying how can you like it so how can you not like it <laughs> how can you not like yeah <laughs> it's my new york education hey mine was decent mine was all right Actually, well, I like these episodes a lot. Like, no matter what I said in the episode, you know, like there are certain little fan service things that they bother me, right? But it doesn't affect my enjoyment of it. You know, it's a really good episode. It's well written. It's got me on the edge of my seat. It's it's quite full of action. I like these episodes a lot. I think they're really great, and uh, you know, they're just they're neat. It's and it's an interesting way to take off this new style of telling uh, storytelling for the season four of Enterprise, which I which I like a lot. So. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking about these today. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you? They can find me on Twitter at TrekFanLB. Uh, once in a while, I'll pop my head into the Babel. Mostly, that's about it. That's Facebook, Inside the Babel Conference, and Twitter. Excellent. So glad you could join us. Thank you for having me. Well, talking about con babies is not the only thing we've been discussing this week here on the network. So take a quick listen to this clip and see what else you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM. To the journey! Do you have to have the stick to be the grand proxy? The scepter? Yeah. I see it as a walking <laughs> stick. Yes. Um, is that supposed to be the grand Negus's um, scepter? Like, is that the actual one? Or oh my it's a gosh. replica, of course, but is it supposed to be the actual one? I don't know, but what it reminds me of totally is old Biff from Back to the Future, old Biff, <laughs> yes. with his his cane that he hits people on the head with. That is totally it. Hello! <laughs> McFly! Think McFly, think. Standard orbit. People are coming over and they're introducing people to him, and it's my turn. And he goes, Steve, uh, Jim, uh, Jimmy, I want you to meet the, the host of the convention. This is Stephen Lance. And he goes, please to meet you, sir. Nice to meet you, Mr. Dewan. And he goes, hi, Steve. Nice to meet you. He's like, what? What? <laughs> you, mean, you mean you don't talk like that? The 602 Club. In particular, I noticed that the most with either Elastigirl or Violet, because it's sort of like you and I were talking about before the show, Helen, Elastigirl, 
really shows that she's Elastigirl not only in what she does as a superhero, but in showing the things that a regular mom has to deal with, you know, whether you're a single mom or, you know, a, a big family, it's something that um, traditionally they're trying to show that um, a, a parent goes through. Warp 5. Right, because Frankenstein himself, like, it doesn't really mistreat the monster, right? They've got him locked up, chained up and whatnot, right? Because he's, they don't know what to do with him, I guess. Like, now that I've made this corpse, well, now what, right? Like, like yeah. you know, it's not like a puppy. Never right? thinking like, about the end game. Just like all those, you know, master villains. It's like, yeah, you, uh, you rule the world and then what? Right. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or on the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and a written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find all our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email... You can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send a show and select Warp 5. That will come right to us. You can also find the network at, on Twitter at Trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek.fm. So, Brandon, when you're not being sent into a uh, poor man's agonizer booth, where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, you can find me uh, here on Trek.fm doing Warp 5, which is just basically the same thing. You can find me over on... That was mean. <laughs> you can find me over on the uh, Fandom Podcast Network with my friends Chris and Tom, where we talk about Alfred Hitchcock podcasts, or Alfred Hitchcock movies on our Alfred Hitchcock podcast, which is called Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast. And I like to say the word podcast, podcast, podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon Metella. And every once in a while, I poke my head up in the Babel Conference. And coming up in July, which is a short amount of time, you can find me at Vulcan, Alberta. And I'll be participating in the Vulcan Convention there. And that's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be hosting a couple of panels and a trivia event. And it sounds like I'm going to be hosting the uh, the costume party. Uh, not the costume party, the costume contest as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Brandy, where can people find you when you're not uh, sleeping your way to the top of the Klingon ship? Oh uh, no, that's the only place you'll find me. <laughs> that's it, guys. That's a wrap. Oh. <laughs> no, okay. I love Should it. Should I edit that one just out? Should we do a different it. one? Just keep it. Uh we can do okay. an alternate if you want, but I I think it's hilarious. It's awesome. Yeah, please stay. Uh, no, you stay. can find me on Twitter at Brandywine12, Brandy spelled with an I, number 12. You can hear me sometimes on the uh, 602 Club. And uh, also, I recently was guesting on an episode of the Star Wars Report with Trek FM friends Bruce Gibson and uh, Matt Rushing. And it was really great. The episode's out now. Please go check it out. And... 
Then you can also hear me on the Dark Corner podcast with my dear husband, Dave, which you can find on darkcornerpodcast.com. Do not let children listen to that, please. I beg you. And Patrick, where can people find you when you're not sleeping your way to the top of the Klingon ship? Again, just like Randy, no other place. That's it. I'm done. I'm out. But no, seriously, you can find me on the network over at The Edge with my friend Amy. You can also find me on um, you can find me on Twitter at MagicDrop5, one word. The five is a number. And you can find me popping my head up in the Babel Conference. And I'm not really sure of the release dates, but I've either just been on or will be on the uh, Earl Grey, where we talk about uh, Beverly Crusher, actually. So Nice. Yeah, a little different take on the uh, TNG. So Excellent. Well, if you'd like to help us keep all of our Trek FM shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. If you don't know how to spell it, it's very simple. It's P-A-T-R-E-O. O-N.com slash check FM to get all the details. Perks includes many things like early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits. You might get to be on a roundtable podcast and more available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a ton of money and time to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. And we really appreciate any support you can give us. And we really hope you'll join the team. Again, find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. And at this time, we'd like to thank the wonderful associate producers of Trek FM and Warp 5 in particular. We have Norman C. Lau, Floyd Dorsey, Mike Morrison, Tim Cooper, Justin Ozer, Mark Flessa, and Chris Tribuzio. Hey, we know him. Excellent. Yeah, wasn't he, didn't, wasn't he just here? Didn't we talk about, didn't we talk with him once? We did, yeah. He's I a good guy. So. He was, Seems like so long ago. We miss well, you, Chris. I guess that's all we got for you guys this time, so keep calm and boob on. <laughs>